0: this is the think la podcast from los angeles the center of advertising marketing and media Welcome to the Think LA podcast. I'm Don Lupo, Executive Director for Think LA. Today we are very fortunate to have two creative professionals who'll be discussing creative staffing and how the right approach can benefit agencies and clients along with how creatives can continue to make themselves more valuable in this changing market. With us today is Sarah Smith, founder of Hope Creative. Sarah is a former Atlanta resident enjoying startup culture and the marketing and advertising industry in Southern California. A design and marketing adept, Sarah believes in building brands and teams that inspire and use their collective voices for good. She's led strategies and teams in marketing, branding, and creative on both brand and agency sides in the wellness, cannabis, and tech spaces, and she still loves print, which I'm all for. Jim D. Piazza is a copywriter, brand builder, and decade-long ECD. He's now founder of Area of Expertise, a full service marketing collective that curates freelance dream teams from their exclusive roster to help modern marketers get things done. Their experience includes auto, beauty, cannabis, beverage, CPG, and much more. Their diverse roster at Area of Expertise starts with the heavily vetted connections of the founder. Thank you both for joining me today. I'd like to start by asking how things are going as we start this new year.
1: Things are going really well. Um, we actually have had many pivots in our small agency, one of which was to become a co-op after COVID happened. Um, you know, we, we lost a few of our accounts and some people were working and not others. So we just kind of banded together and have completely redefined uh, the agency model, flipped it on its head, and we're doing a, a co-op, people over profit.
0: That's great. Jim, how about you? uh, Thanks for having me,
2: Don. We're doing great. Uh, We started middle of last year and we've been uh, growing uh, ever since. The roster grew really quickly. We're now uh, speaking with lots of different clients uh, with the beginning of the year happening, which has been fantastic. Uh, Very similar in the sense of uh, we're a collective. So, Co op, uh, Sarah is a co op and we're a collective. And we are, you know, we did that because we also really feel that having a strong roster that supports each other and is in it for the work, and also being paid fairly, is really important. So, with our brand, it was critical that we, you know, make sure that the the talent gets gets heard and is part of the part of the equation.
0: That's uh, quite a time to start a business.
2: It was. <laughs> it is. But it's also, you know, there's a lot of change and disruption happening, and I think that more so than any other time it made sense to look at what's going on in the landscape and create a model that really takes advantage of all of the exceptional people that are out freelancing and contracting these days compared to even just a few years ago and especially 10 years ago, it's a very different world and the caliber of talent that you can get from a freelance standpoint is, you know, hands down better than it's ever been.
0: Wow. So you know, they uh, a lot of the pundits uh, in media have said that we've seen this vast acceleration for uh, marketing and branding uh, where things that you would have done in 10 months you know, now are happening. Uh, there are things that would have done in 10 years and it's accelerated so fast. Um, have you seen that in terms of the, the demand uh, for both your staff, uh, your talent and for the type of projects that you're uh, taking on?
1: We have for sure. And I think a lot of that is the, heavy, like, if there's a very heavy reliance on social media. And, you know, now we have TikTok and all of these other channels. So marketers are always having to kind of stay lean and quick on their feet, but even more so in this culture of now.
0: So with all that in mind, um, for both of you, what's keeping you up at night? And how hopeful are you for things to change positively this year?
2: I think what, you know, what's, what's keeping me up at night is that the industry won't keep the momentum going. I think that we've got some incredible momentum, but as an optimist at heart, I'm not gonna let that keep me up at night. So I think the change that we see out there, I'm really hopeful that we continue to embrace it, that we see all of the positive benefits that are coming out of it, that we're able to bring in the right people, look at the models, challenge every single aspect of how the work is done, And look at each one and say, we're not as beholden to it because of extraneous things that are happening, but actually what's the right solution for the challenge at hand. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
2: think that the more that we all kind of take a step back and embrace the new, I guess I'd call it, that we can then not only offer our clients better services, but we can also offer our people better, better treatment, better salaries, better everything, better working, you know, day-to-day working relationships, everything can get better at the same time. It's difficult because people are set people and businesses are set up a specific way and it's hard to get them to change.
0: Interesting. Sarah, how about you?
1: Um, In terms of what's keeping me up at night, I would say it's the same thing that was keeping me up at night when this whole COVID pandemic started. And that's just getting people work, you know? Um, It's been tough and, We've had to band together and, and you know use all of our grit and get crafty, and um, you know people have less money. There's less budgets. Everything's a high risk. And to your point, they want it done. You know, two three times as fast because it's now now now. We're in. We've been in survival mode. It feels like for the for the year. Um, but I think just to provide jobs, create you know fair work, offer a fair price, and. The work that we do, I think we really need to amplify what's going on in the world and use our channels as a voice for the people.
0: Sure.
2: Yeah. If I could add to that, Mm -hmm. I agree that finding people work is really, that was, that's the biggest thing for me too, is you see so many people out there and you think, how can I help them? And and I think creating like, whether it's the co-op or the collective that looks out for each other is a really nice way to help the talent that's out there not just think of themselves as a solo practitioner but like how can I help the rest of the community that I'm part of get work so banding together and saying like well I'm not just going to go after a writer job or I'm not just going to go after a designer job there's a project out there and I can bring those people together or I might just be part of a team that's going to do that so Suddenly, the people who are out freelancing have a lot more opportunity when they're not just going after solo things, they're going after bigger slices of the pie.
1: For everyone. So instead of unicorns, it's a tribe of unicorns. A tribe a of unicorns. exactly.
0: And yeah, what, is, what is a group of unicorns called? Uh, a sparkle? Going... A, sparkle. <laughs> like a, sparkle <laughs> a sparkle. I like think... it. A sparkle of unicorns.
2: A unicorns. I would agree that if you have a lot of unicorns together, especially advertising... Marketing unicorns, you are gonna get that is your best way to get Sparkle.
0: <laughs> I think I think we created like something new. For I this. think we definitely did. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, speaking of all that, we, we're seeing fewer agencies of record, and we've been seeing that for the past several years, and we're seeing a lot more marketing going in-house for brands, especially in the last year. So, in your opinions, how can agencies best prepare for more of this project work from current and potential clients? in what's really a crowded market.
1: I think we need to lean into teams, you know, to the point of, of, uh, you know, we're not just loan freelance, you know, brands and verticals before. I think we just need to lean into those teams, keep building those teams and offer that full agency service with freelancers.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it really, the 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 change in the industry the last few years which has been a kind of you know iceberg that we all saw out there and we were going straight at it and decided we didn't want to turn and covid kind of helped us but at the same time clients are doing that to save money right like everybody's looking to try to save money they clients have holding companies and they have investors and they're all trying to do more with less so um the you know the 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 problems roll downhill to to us. And so the they're asked to do things faster with less. And so we're asked to do things faster with less. And unfortunately the industry responded by getting rid of all the good people. That I mean that was really where it started. I mean that's they looked at the industry and said, well can we have one good person with a lot of experience and then we'll bring in more junior people to to make to make up the work. And so I think for them, for the agencies to compete these days, um, and preparing for the project work is it's, it's exactly what Sarah's talking about. It's about teams. It's about special specialization. If I can say that word, um, it's really about having the right people. Can you offer your clients something that the others can't? And I think that that's where, when it comes to projects and it isn't just about, um, uh, doing great work, right? Like, do you have more awards? Like, do you have more awards? Can you offer more experience? Can you offer quicker ideas? What's different about your specialization that will make the clients want to want to sign on? Because every place says they can do great work. The issue sometimes is the people that are put on the business aren't the same ones that, uh, you know, that helped build your reel.
1: I mean, I just, I, I would agree with that. Um, leaning into teams, people, you you know, you, it, it, it's difficult to just, assemble people who've never seen each other and say here you go okay let's go market this it's very important to have people that gel together but on the same token to have very diverse teams so that we're hearing voices from all perspectives right
0: so yeah. in in terms of that are are both of you doing things to you know obviously you're bringing in different freelancers from different areas of expertise who may or may not have worked with each other how how are you building that rapport with teams that may be new to each other
2: for us the way that we build the rapport is, it really starts with. And you said it at the beginning of, you know, setting me up is that if you're bringing in people that you've pre-vetted personality-wise, I think that's a huge, huge part of it. So everybody that's on our roster happens to be people that we either know or people we've met, and so I know that personality-wise that they can work together. Very true to Sarah's point, though, the personalities you still need to think about the people you're putting together. So even if everybody is very congenial, there's still some people who might not vibe with each other. So I think it's really about thinking about those personalities and making sure that they will work together, even if they never have, you're still thinking, you know them well enough that you can put them together.
1: And also the value of a project manager, which you know we've ah, learned yeah. the hard way <laughs> a few times, Clients, maybe they don't have a budget or they want to cut corners here and there. And we thought, okay, well, we'll just cut the project manager. Big mistake. You have to have that person that really vibes with the client and, and speaks client, you know, very I
2: important. totally agree that having that point person, have building that trust that they're not just going to be handed a bunch of people that now they are being asked to manage the clients. The client clients want the same, I believe clients want the same model that they've always had, which is a point person and some really great people doing the work. And the difference now is I just don't have as much money as I used to. Right. (laughs) So how do I, how do I get that model? And I think that, so the project management, a brand person, somebody who's going to be that day-to-day person is critical and removing them from the equation is a huge mistake. And If you're you're just inserting a team into a bigger team, it's fine. But if you're actually asking one team to help you achieve a certain goal, they need to kind of look like an agency. They need to be built like an agency. They need to kind of function like an agency. And when I say function like an agency, I don't mean, you know, holding companies and top down and bureaucracy and all that bloat. I just mean the way a client is normally used to acting, which is I call one person, I can have a conversation and then I can chat with the team and collaborate great um that's what they're looking for
1: otherwise you have the scope creep nightmare and too many cooks in the kitchen and it's just a mess right?
2: right and also i think you know the project manager is critical from the standpoint of the people on the team too the people on the team don't want to manage each other they don't want to be in charge of each other they want to they want to know what their role is they're going to excel at their role they want to collaborate with the rest of the team but they don't want to necessarily be responsible for making sure everybody else is getting their work done and that meetings are happening on time. So project management, super huge, I think, in this new project-based world that things run efficiently. And that's and it adds a
1: layer of protection, too, for the creatives. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you,
0: you need that one person who's the consummate diplomat who can go between client and team and developer and creative and account person and all that.
2: Yeah, and, and even if the team has, or even if the client has greater access to the team than, they're, than they've normally been used to, they're, they're more working one-on-one, they're meeting with them more frequently, it doesn't mean that they don't want that same kind of white glove treatment of one person to talk to off to the side if they need to. So I think that's really, it's really important. The other thing I think that is important when it comes to specialization, when it, treating projects is that kind of like all killer, um, no filler approach, where it's just the people that should be on the business. And that's another way that I think agencies can compete when it comes to projects, which is just put the people on the business that need to be there. And I remember a few years ago, maybe longer than that, I was on a pitch team and the agency said, what if we just tried to do this really streamlined? Let's just put this small group of people on it we're going to go the ninja approach to it. And if we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. But it'll, we can get in and get out. And who knows what happens. And, and was that
1: because of a, a bandwidth issue? It was just a, something they was, were trying out?
2: Or? It was a little bit of both. It was bandwidth and the agency wasn't sure if they 100% wanted the business. Like It was like kind of like maybe they could be a good client. We're not sure if they'll be a great client. So if we don't win, we don't really – we're not going to – you know, cry ourselves to sleep. And it was awesome. It was great. It was a small team. We met all the time. We met with the client. It was great. It was fast. We did it quickly. The client was awesome. And we won, we won the business. Like it was great. And so that was another thing that really helps for me to solidify this idea of when you put the right people together in a small way, you can, you can win. And that's, I think, the critical thing. The, the the big semantics in there, though, is what what are the right people? And that's where I think that agencies need to think broader about what they mean by right people. It isn't necessarily just the most senior or the most awarded. There's other things that make somebody right for for a project, for you know, for project A versus project B. It isn't always just about put the best people on it. It's put the right people on it.
0: So, Sarah, you you alluded to that earlier in some of your comments where um, you've got the right people, but you've also got this group of diverse voices.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it's wildly important and um, not just that, but that brands are in some way aligning with a a cause or standing for something. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading on cause marketing campaigns and even mainstream campaigns that align, like, for example, Tom's is a good a good example of how they get the shoes, but 70% of consumers align with a brand that stands behind something strongly. And that's, I mean, that's a large percentage. So I think values are very important and making sure that though the teammates may be diverse and that's very important that in some way the values align and the skills, obviously.
0: Well, and I think that's an interesting point because Um, you've got the two markets who have uh, either influence or money, which is 18 to 35 and 55 and older um, are these markets where you may not always have the right people in the room to address uh, that particular aspect of the demographic and the potential market for a product.
2: Yeah, that's critical. That's really, that's really critical. That's, that's why I think the diversity, we, we need to think about that word in a, in a, kind of a broad sense that there's that it's it's diversity of experiences it's diversity of of your thinking it's diversity of where you've been like there's a lot of things that, that come into that and I, you're right like whether you're 18 to 35 or you're over 55 and it's bringing in those voices so they can be the voice of the of the of the category of the consumer you're talking to it also doesn't mean that you have to have if you have a product that's for people over 55 not everybody in the room has to be over 55 that's working on it but you but you need some diversity in that room that's going to be able to say that will work that will that speaks to me we all use our gut in this business which we all know is like a combination of you know it's like your your brain and your experiences and there's all kinds of things that come from gut and in your general knowledge so just for me, the diversity thing is, is so hugely important. and um, as we've built out our roster, we're really thinking about diversity in a b- really broad kind of way. So we're making sure that to make sure that we're talking to everybody, we're making sure that we're, we're not leaving any, any sort of ideas or experiences off the table that might help resonate with the consumer and build affinity for the brand.
0: Sarah, you've seen a similar scenario where somebody may not have the exact experience in that particular vertical, but they can certainly translate some of that. For example, somebody may have CBG experience, but they can translate into cannabis marketing.
1: That's right. Exactly right. And I'm a firm believer that people work on what they want to work on, and you'll get the best creative and the best ideas from people who actually like the product or stand behind the product. So, you know, if you go to a dispensary space, you can just see the most beautiful creative, you know, that you've ever seen on these cannabis packages. Well, of course, most creatives are cannabis users, right? So that's just a very small example of how we work on what we like. But, um, yeah, back to that whole, you know, sort of values thing. I think it really leans, plays well with verticals. You know, I'm not into cars, so... I just, you know, kind of stay out of that vertical, and that's okay, right?
0: Well, but what a what a great world it would be if uh, everything we worked on was a passion project, right? Think of I all know. the amazing work we'd get.
1: We're trying. Unfortunately, it doesn't pay the bills, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Boy, I could
0: work, if I could work on science fiction and guitars all day, I'd be pretty good,
1: right? <laughs> it's very niche market.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I agree that you definitely get the best work out of people when they're excited about what they're working on and and that's another one of those things that's a little bit tough like that's another way for an agency to compete on these projects is finding and making sure that the people who are working that they're putting on something are genuinely excited about what they're about to work on and they're not just excited about the paycheck because the energy and passion they'll put into it is Way more than, I mean, we're we're generally pretty well paid, but we're still artists at heart. And I think that that's really what motivates us more so than anything. And so for agencies to be able to find those people that are passionate about the thing that they're about to work on, that's also, that, that goes back to what I was saying, or try to win the project. And I think that when an agency can say, the people we're going to be putting on this not only have won, you know, this can award and that. so all use a product in this category every day and are passionate about it. And then that's really going to help take that work to the next level. And it's not just because they've they've they understand the category; it's that because they're excited about it.
0: That makes a lot of excitement sense.
1: Excitement can go a long way, and that's why you get such great work with freelancers because typically they are going towards the work that they want to be involved in. So when we take this idea of a team, with a sparkle, if you will, <laughs> um, I think you'll just get better work.
2: That's true, that's true. I was just actually on the phone yesterday with, with, um, with a woman for, uh, for a potential project and she was so excited about the project and I knew she would be. Like I knew that she would be the right fit. I knew that she would be the right person. She's like, Oh my God, I still want to do this. This sounds so awesome. I have that flexibility because I'm not just looking at a small group of people like, well, which of these three people might be the right one? I mean, we have 170 people. So I can look through those 170 and say, who do I think is going to be the right person? And and as, as luck worked out like she's looks like she should be available but more importantly she was just excited about it and I and I thought she would be and so not only am I helping somebody find work like Sarah and I were you know were saying at the beginning of this you're actually finding somebody work that like they want to do and that's that's just really powerful and it's you know honestly it's very satisfying and very you know makes me feel good like that that's that's kind of what my job feels like these days is feeling good about helping other people do their best work versus me trying to do my best work.
1: I think that's authenticity in its purest form, sir.
0: <laughs> well, that's the that's the old Kevin Klein movie, right? The movie Dave, where he ran an employment agency. no matter what day of the work, what day of the week it was, he'd come into work and say, it's Tuesday. Everybody works on Tuesday.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: And he would find a spot for everyone. Um, so we're discussing the right people and we're we're talking about um, curated teams. How, how can these curated teams help agencies who did a lot of downsizing last year and, and probably lost a lot of great people?
1: I think that there's a number of things, but what comes to mind first is a fresh perspective. You know, sometimes coming in with fresh eyes can really lend a new energy to the project. So... I, I think, you know, let's make lemonade and it's been a, a hard year in a lot of ways, but if we can look at the opportunity for a fresh slate and some new perspective, that's kind of nice.
2: Yeah, I, I would say the fresh perspective is, is, is really important. I think it's also, it's speed, it's efficiency, it's getting things done quicker, it's, less stress for people. I mean, when I say for people, I mean everyone involved, the client, the agency, the team. When you have the curated team, when you have the right people, it just goes smoother. And I think that that's, that's also what clients are looking for. They're, they're looking for how, how can I get from point A to point B with the least amount of sort of hassle and, and stress, but at the same time, also less risk, right? Like I'm not in the risk business. I mean, I'm speaking like I'm a client, you know, I, I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to get a huge risk on whatever I'm being asked to do. Um, clients jobs are on the line, you know, on, on a lot of these bigger projects or these important or high profile, high priority things. And, and that kind of goes back to earlier when I was saying that I'm worried that people, the industry might revert back to how it's been because it's familiar. And the fact of the matter is, it's actually, it may not be familiar, but it's probably more risky. The idea of bringing in the right people and, and having that curated team, having those people that can do the work efficiently, have, have the experience to know where the, where you know, not to touch the third rail, how to move quickly through things. They like each other. They're excited about the project. All of that's going to end up being a win across the board.
1: I think also training, you know, um, just putting a little bit of effort into training employees and contractors. And we're all told, you know, that we need to wear all these different hats and you're more marketable and all of these things. And these are all very true things, but how do we do that in an affordable way? Um, So there's, you know, there's lots of resources out there. You know, there's some, Athenium Collective, actually, in the marketing and advertising industry does a great job with kind of online masters. But I think what agencies can do is, is either, you know, roll these programs out and cross-train people as much as possible or, you know, give incentives or credits to those people who do choose to kind of power up their career.
2: Yeah, I, I also, uh, something that uh, Sarah, you and I have spoken about in the past is also, skin in the game, rewarding people for doing great work. And that's something that I think has sorely been missing. There's certainly, you know, you're a VP, you're an executive at an agency, there's a bonus at the end of the year. But the day-to-day people, they get their salary and that's what they And I think that rewarding people financially for doing a great job or paying them fairly to begin with for the great job that they're doing is also a way to ensure better work because people will come to that task with a lot better attitude and a lot more excitement to do their best work.
1: So I was just going to say we have a kind of a transparent model where you know everyone knows the the markup of everything and what the what the ledgers look like, and it's very unusual. But I will say that something that it does is um, we have a lot of trust amongst our team, and and so. In that way it works.
0: So you're both, you're both literally becoming the change you want to see in the industry. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's, that's a rare I, opportunity.
2: It is. It's, it's really, really exciting too. And, and the, the change that I think that we're trying to enact, it's not necessarily revolutionary, but it kind of is mm-hmm. like, I think there's a lot of things that just seem like the obvious things that need to be done. And, when you put yourself in a position where you can make those decisions and choices for the greater good of not only the employees, but for the process and for the general outcomes, then you can win. And I think that that's where agencies are, are, are trying to figure out the right way to adjust and do all the things that we're talking about that need to be done, still trying to fit within their existing model, which I think is probably doable. There's, there's room for everybody for sure. It's just a matter of how do you deliver the things that that clients are looking for. And I think that the idea of, like you said, like the curated teams is really critical. I also think that creative service managers, if they created a list of their go-to people and they knew more about them than just, I like them. If they know what brands they've worked on, what they're passionate about, why they're going to come in, then when they're selecting those freelancers, they can do a better job building the team that ultimately will generate better success for their clients. Up until this point, I feel like a lot of times it's dialing for dollars. Are you available? Are you available? Are you available to come in on my project? And nowadays I think that there needs to be some more attention given to finding the right person, not just the available person.
1: Well, especially in a time where voice is so important, you know, the the brand voice and tone and kind of all, all of these Every little message is so scrutinized these days. So it's very, very important that we're
2: coming yeah, correct. absolutely. And the voice of the people doing the work in the first place, right? So it's, it's the vo- like the voice of the people that do the work that create the voice of the brand. Like all of, both of those are really, really critical. So um, I think that we're in a really unique position nowadays where where that can be done. It's just, it. there just needs to be some more attention given to it. It's a little more work, but the outcome is worth it.
0: So following up on that, Sarah, what advice would you give to creative services managers who are, you know, working in an agency and trying to find the right creatives for a project. And now they've, you know, they've lost a certain portion of their team last year.
1: I think it's really important that you get to know your people and, you know, back to that sort of brand voice and perspective and, I act as kind of the creative services manager on many of our projects. And, and one of the things I like to look at is, okay, you know, what does what the client's voice and perspective look and feel like, and who, who do we have that could really do that justice? Um, so I think that that's really important. And then yeah, back to that whole fresh perspective, fresh eyes thing. I think that's wildly important these days because we've, especially, you know, brands that have been around for a very long time, it's a different world now, you know, and every little minute detail um, of the social landscape, you know, it's, it's, it's our world now. And to not talk about that in marketing, we would just be remiss. So I think that get to know your people, what are they passionate about, what drives them, what are their hobbies these things and and you'll have a much more authentic approach to the marketing campaign sir i got a, I got a question on
2: that do you think that's different in how most creative services managers look at their people do you think that they think that they know everything about them or is or is this like do they do they know all of this about them or is it a different filter or a different way to look at them
1: i think that In the past, we were sort of not allowed to use our voice as much in a corporate setting. And in, you know, 2020 and 2021, it's kind of ingrained into, you know, you are who you are with, with unapologetically, I think. And in the past, there were, you know, I've had hiring managers or or creative managers, and of course, they didn't know that I was in a, you know, punk band on the weekends, for example, or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, because it wasn't really accepted, I don't think, for a long time. Whereas now people are embracing differences and they're embracing, you know, oh, you're really into, you know, karaoke rooms. Well, I am too. And, and then here comes the, the next greatest ad campaign, right? Yeah, interesting
2: cause it's interesting because it's kind of like after you initially hire somebody, you don't really ever get to know more about them. So it's, it's almost like you need to have an ongoing dialogue with every single person that's working with you. So you know every little thing that they might be interested in. Because to your point, maybe you weren't in a punk band when you started, but now you are. And, and then all of a sudden a music project comes in and we think, well, oh, Sarah wouldn't be interested because you know, she doesn't do anything with music. And then someone said, no, no, she just started a punk band last month. And like, oh, then she'd be perfect. So yeah, it's a really interesting thing to really constantly stay up on every nuance of the people who are on your team so, you can let them use that to better the services to your clients.
1: And and feel authentic using their voice every day, you know, mm-hmm. just being themselves. Yeah. How cool to go to work every day and just be yourself.
2: Right.
0: Uh, I, I, we've been talking about building dream teams, but I think we're talking about building kind of a dream job scenario for everybody being your authentic self, bringing your whole self to work and working on projects you love. I, who wouldn't love that?
2: Right. Yeah, I think it's all
1: possible.
2: Yeah, it's exciting. It's just, it's, it's such a different, like you're totally right, Sarah, that sort of learning and, and digging in and finding out all those, the eccentricities about people that are on your team hasn't been like me as an ECD, like I would meet people and I'd ask them some questions, but like really understanding who they are and what makes them tick. And like you said, who their authentic self is there wasn't necessarily time or maybe that felt too personal and you just wanted to stick with the professional, like wherever you worked, what have you worked on? Tell me a couple of your awards. What's your general work ethic? Okay, good. I know who you are. And let's all get to work. And there's a richness to each person that if you bring that out, then you can really use that to do better, you know, to do better work for everybody.
0: So looking at this from another angle, what advice would you give to creatives to keep themselves marketable? And what mistakes do you see most often in the way that creatives market themselves?
2: So one of the biggest mistakes I see with creatives, and honestly, advertising people in general, is keeping everything updated. You know, you build your LinkedIn, you build a website maybe, and then you don't touch it for years. It's one of those things you got to stay up to date on every day, every month. Anytime you have something new, get it in there. Because as we were talking earlier, you never know what that thing is that's going to get an agency to call you, get a client to call you, that's going to make you the most interesting person for that project. And so maybe you're in a band and nobody knew it and so you'd be perfect for a, for a music project. So I really think that that's, that's, that's critical that people are keeping all the clients they worked on, the brands, the more, honestly, the more stuff you put there, the better, the more information you share, the easier it is for everyone else out in the world to look at you and say, why you might be the right fit. Sarah, how about yeah, you?
1: I, I, I think it's particularly hard for many creatives that self-promotion, um, which is why it's, it's sometimes easier to kind of hide behind a hiring manager. But I think that self-promotion is, incredibly important, especially in this day and age, and where, you know, maybe we were taught or conditioned in the past to maybe hide aspects of our personality or, you know, values, purpose. I don't think that we need to do that anymore, um, and that we will actually attract the right teams and the right brands and clients uh, the less that we do that. Um, I also think that even though it's COVID, networking is incredibly important. Um, so you know, trade associations like Think LA incredibly important. I moved here five years ago, and I would I would know no one if it weren't for Think LA, for example. And um, so we can still network; we just uh, approach it a little differently now.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think the idea of self promotion I kind of jumped on the website part of part of the equation, but yeah, just general self promotion is really important. It's it's easy to say, well, I five headhunters know who I am, or I made this call yesterday. That's not really self-promotion. You have to, like you said, Sarah, you have to get out there and you have to network. You have to talk to people, create something fun around yourselves. Like I have some friends that do it really, really well. Well, they'll say, you know, I made 10 paintings and every Tuesday I release one of my paintings out on LinkedIn. That's awesome. That's just a way for people to see you in a new light and it helps generate excitement around you and also just general interest. I also think um, you were mentioning earlier about learning new skills, spend some time learning a new skill video, you know, make a video of it like do create content around you learning how to do something. Like anything you can do that just shows that you are learning new skills, but also more importantly, just creating that content. The same things that we would tell any client, we would all tell any client: just get out there, just do stuff, just show stuff. And trust me, I know it's hard. Um, as a you know business owner, it's you you're constantly struggling with work and promotion and trying to find the right things to say and do, and you can't do all of it. I get it. You still got to do something. You can't just build a website and and hope that someone's going to
1: find you. Well, that's right. How, how will a brand expect for you to effectively market their brand? If, if you can't market your own brand, right? Well,
0: exactly. Like, it's interesting you say that, uh, you know, we always hear about the kind of, I'll call them the standouts. Um, but you know, these, these one in a million people who do something completely new and fresh um, you know, there's the person who wrote a whole song about wanting to work for a particular agency. And, you know, it became a viral video. Um, there was somebody, oh, I think I was, remember that. Yep. And I think there was somebody last week who sent, um, the group creative director at an agency, uh, a Venmo request for $50,000 for being a copywriter. Cause he wanted to work for that agency. And <laughs> of course they scheduled an interview with him, but you know, That's those are
1: brilliant.
0: Those it is though, <laughs> you know, yeah, those are, hard. those are few and far between. um, And, you know, I think we've found with uh, when we were having live events, it was often difficult for for us to get creatives out to network. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're seeing more and more that when times like this happen, that networking and that network itself is is the most important thing to keep you going.
2: It's so true that and especially create. I mean, you know. Since, since I'm a writer, I can bash on creatives. So you know, <laughs> we're artists and we're, we don't tend to be hardcore business people. That's why we're artists. And so it's it's hard for us to shift into that mode of, of promotion and selling ourselves. And and we think that our general network of people that we know is gonna be enough or having a website that shows that, um, well, unfortunately, there's so many people out there nowadays, if you've got a canned lion, get in line behind a hundred other people that are also freelancing that one lions. So hmm. what are you doing to help market yourselves? And you and you've got to put in that little, it doesn't mean you have to do a ton of work, but you got to put in a little bit of work to find ways to network, call people, post things, whatever it might be, but it's kind of antithetical to a lot of creatives to do it. Um, they hope that their work speaks for themselves and that should be enough to get work. But the fact of the matter is, is, You're not a freelancer anymore. You're a small business of one and you got to act like it, unfortunately.
1: Yep, and inventory those assets, you know? Um, Yeah. I I, I went to this, it was sort of a a new agey type of business leadership uh, weekend pre-COVID. And that was one of the things that they just kept talking about over and over. And I'm like, okay, the asset list. But when I finally sat down and literally wrote down every person in every industry that i have helped or has helped me or you know we work together here but now they're there and that's my favorite skincare line i mean it's just really once you put it all on paper the web just sort of starts to make ripples so know your assets
2: assets. i love that inventory your assets yeah And, and once you have that huge spider web contact 10 of those people a day five of them a day and just yeah. and with your updated website and your updated content and all of your things, and just let people know what you're up to.
1: Your new punk rock song <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> called sparkle.
2: Sparkle.
0: Yes. How do you make an angry punk song with sparkle? You know what? That's my project. That's going to be my creative project. <laughs> um, I, I really want to thank both of you for today. Any final thoughts for either agencies or resource managers or creatives or just something in general that you'd like to share?
1: Um, I would just say, you know, continue to be authentic. Remember that we have work as creatives. We have a lot of power and with power, there's great responsibility. Stay up on your trade associations, join groups, create and cultivate creative mornings, Athenium collective girl boss fishbowl. Those are my secrets.
2: Yeah, my, my mine would be get to know your people as well as you possibly can and really understand who they are and what makes them tick and what you can do to reward them and bring them in. And, and really ultimately know that when it comes to advertising, marketing, all of that experience is a superpower.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Thank you both so much for joining me today. I'd like to thank Sarah Smith of Hope Creative and Jim D Piazza of Area of Expertise. Uh, we look forward to hearing from both of you more and uh, wishing you all the best in the new year.
1: Thanks Welcome. so much, Take Don. Time.
0: thank you for joining us for this episode. To find out more about our upcoming webinars and events, please go to thinkla.org. You'll also find information on membership and how we continue our mission of serving the Los Angeles advertising, marketing, and media community. Take care.